Hello, our goslings. Welcome to the Smug Buds. It's a very, very special episode today because it's my season finale. Uh, I'm here with my uh, pod wife and co-host, Will. Hi, Will. Hi, Liz. How are you? I'm good. This is our first episode out of the holiday season. That uh, that's not true at all. That's my episode out of the holidays. That after the holiday season. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, it's true enough. Uh, the last one was uh, dropped on New Year's Day. So, yeah. uh, or we recorded on New Year's Day. We recorded one or the it. other. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's, uh, yeah. And, and uh, I know someone at work who was, uh, it's, it's Tuesday the 7th as we're recording this. And mm-hmm. I know someone at work who was lamenting that today after work they would have to take down their Christmas tree and their decorations because. As I've pointed out before, January 6th is the 12th day of Christmas. <laughs> and so, yeah, it truly is. Uh, yes, we're on the other side of the holiday season precisely now. Yes, it's true. Oh, God, that's so embarrassing. My volume's on, on my phone. <laughs> God, I, I, you can kick me out of class and take away my participation points. I expect more from a professional podcaster like you, Liz. <laughs> I think the real answer here is that my phone is almost always on silent. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are recording on a Tuesday and Tuesday is the day I work from home. Mm. And so I have my volume on, on Tuesdays because I need to know if somebody from work is calling me. Mm-hmm. Do you remember this song, uh, club going up on a Tuesday? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I wonder if anyone else besides me still thinks about that. <laughs> I still think of it when I hear the words on a Tuesday. On a Tuesday. We have an episode today that is incredibly, I mean, it's like not even nostalgia. It's just like current feelings for me. But they go back a ways, I assume. They go back half of my life now. Yeah, the history runs deep. So do you want to tell our Goslings um, what we're talking about today? Yeah, in uh, what I might call kind of an echo of my decision to devote an episode to the Decemberists. Uh, you are devoting an episode to a band that you love, and that band is called, or was once called, Raise Up Roof Beams. Mm-hmm. And now they're just called Roof Beams. Mm-hmm. Um, I think because, um, I think I said to Nathan, you dropped the Raise Up, and he said, nobody says that anymore. And I was like, oh, I do. <laughs> um and this actually caused a problem in my iTunes because I wanted all of their music to be together. So I had to mm-hmm. retitle their last two CDs, last three CDs to be Raise Up Roof Beams, even though uh-huh. that's not technically their name. Sure. So I can't expect that you have much baseline for this. <laughs> no, I just know that I've heard you talk about them. And I had a sense that you had some kind of a personal relationship that is actually IRL mm-hmm. uh, with the band, but uh, I don't remember the details. Okay. So I I prefaced this episode in the previous, um, uh, I think in the last mailbag, by saying that I was going to get real gushy, and I am. Uh, mm. I would say that if we're looking at longevity and song quality – that um, Raise Up Roof Beams, Roof Beams is my favorite band. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't dislike any of their songs. 
except one, which we'll get to. And I feel like this song doesn't count. <laughs> okay. Um, but we'll get to that at the end of the episode. So, mm. you know, some big foreshadowing here. Love um, it. So I've been listening to this band since I was 15 or 16, but let's just say like 16. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I guess, you know, truly at some point at, by the end of this year, it'll be half of my life. But I think we can say um, pretty surely that it's been half of my life at this point that I've loved and listened to this band. Oh, yeah. It's easy r- to round up to that at this point. Yeah. And um, R- Raise Up Roof Beams is a band uh, that is mostly one person. It wasn't always mm-hmm. this way, but in terms of the way this has played out it's this man named nathan j robinson um nathan uh uh, has been the lyricist um and he does most of the songwriting um in the past there have been um there have been other band members all throughout uh roof beams history um Mm. some sort of core members early on was this uh guy justin rajo who played banjo and mandolin this guy mm. drew for a while was playing I don't know what he was playing he was like not around for very long <laughs> mm-hmm. I like I have known him for a long time but um he played like bass I think and something called the fun machine um which was this like small keyboard that also had some like built-in um like sort of uh sound loops of little melodies sure like um, uh, I'm I'm picturing like what Reggie Watts performs with is it anything like that Sure Okay, well, I'll show you later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and the I don't even know if the fun machine exists anymore. I think it was Justin's. Um, mm. And then Harrison, who was on the drums. Um, and then towards the end of when I was in high school, um, this woman, Kelly, uh, was playing stand-up bass and mm. um, also singing backup vocals for a while. So, so I guess I could add to my bass line that I think I have met Justin – before mm. yeah he played a show at my house mm-hmm. he yeah, played I a show at the think... writer's house yeah, uh, yes right uh yeah that's where i would have met him yeah uh i don't think i met any of those other folks no i don't think so justin um yeah so justin's been in other bands and done other things so he came up to play um a show with my friend tara who's also gonna come up later in this episode um and it was a one i think he actually came up tw- two times um and they played a house show at the writer's house and it was it was mm-hmm. great. And he still he has a much more robust um, company now, but he screen prints shirts and designs mm-hmm. um, other things that are screen printed with his wife now, uh, Joelle. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just home in New York for the holidays mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, sleeping in my childhood bedroom as I do. And uh, I'm there once a year at Christmas time. And I... Uh, for no good reason, have a ritual of just looking through my closet and my drawers mm-hmm. and seeing what's in there. Yeah, no, I do that just, too. <laughs> just kind of checking in. And I remember seeing a Justin Arajo original screen printed t-shirt. Oh, yeah. Sitting in one of my clothing drawers in my childhood bedroom. <laughs> yeah, so they. I started seeing them because when I was in high school, I first went to and then volunteered at a place called um, uh, the Lower Paxton Youth Center, which I brought up here, which was Mm -hmm. a small municipal building um, 
where we had shows and one of the bands that always came through was raise up roof beams um almost all of them were about six years older than we were um so they were all in college at the time and or just having graduated from college Mm -hmm. um so they were like not really our age but also our age like it wasn't weird for them to be playing shows and hanging out with us but they were definitely like older and cooler and smarter than we were yeah um and I don't remember the first time I saw them, but I remember um, very quickly taking a liking to them. And at the time, they just played shows like all of the time. So I would see them at the youth center. I would see them at the championship, where um, which no longer exists, as we've discussed, where you and I saw me without you. Mm-hmm. Um, they would play other sort of various like college shows and house shows. Um, and so I was seeing them all over the place. And I very quickly took a liking to them. I think the easiest way to describe their genre is folk rock. Yeah. I was curious at what you would say uh, in terms of putting a label on the uh, genre. I think that they um, in the past have described themselves as folk rock. And I think that's the easiest way. It's definitely got folk elements to it, but it's, that's not, it's not like so deeply entrenched in that, that, um, that like you'd hear them play at like uh, some sort of like farm festival. <laughs> yeah, I see what you're saying. Uh, I will just slightly weigh in to mm-hmm. say sort of first impressions. I've been listening to some of their music uh, between today and yesterday. I thought it was a little more heavy on the folk than you are characterizing it as. Oh, that's possible. I think that, like, the Decemberists, like, sort of fall into multiple genres and Mm -hmm. span, and there's a Venn diagram. and But, like, folk rock is definitely something that you can apply to the Decemberists. Mm -hmm. And I think that Raise Up Roof Beams are more folk and less rock than other things like the Decemberists that I might call folk rock. Yeah. I guess... um... I think this is also getting to one of my points about this band. And so also, like, I think there's a question here, like, why am I smug? How how am I smug about this? And the reason sure. I'm smug about this is because I think I know more about this band than everyone except Nathan. Mm-hmm. Or, like, people that have been in the band. <laughs> so if I may ask a question. Yes. Um, would you characterize yourself as their fan or their number one fan or one of their fans. I'm I'm guess I'm wondering yes. how how much of an audience they they have. As far as I know, nobody else has a tattoo from them. Well, okay, but that <laughs> So I think that makes me number one, baby. Yes, very good. That answers one <laughs> of my questions. Now let's focus in on my other question, which is like do are these are these friends of yours and you're uh, like i have music on my ipad yeah or my ipod that's like my friends made this music i'm probably the only one who has it yeah uh but like they're on spotify they, i listen to their music on youtube so like what th- what how how much larger does the audience get outside yeah. of this conversation so the audience was definitely I don't want to say bigger when I was in high school, but I was more aware of it. And that's that's mm-hmm. something – I mean, I think to answer your question, I can sort of start telling you more about what it was like when I was in high school. So sure. um, there were so many of us that loved Roof Beams where they could play 
and we would all know the words. We were all singing along. Um, I scrutinized his lyrics because Nathan is just so smart. He is so smart. Um, he has, he is so much smarter than I am, uh, which, which is not a dig at me at all. Uh, it's, it's only a compliment to him. And he, I feel like I'm always learning things from his songs. Um, so like, for example, he has the song on, um, on, uh, Fingers and Photons, their first album called Letters to Aloysia. And it mentions notes from the underground, um, which is the uh, Dostoevsky book. And mm-hmm. I had been listening to that song for two years when I actually read Notes from the Underground and was like, oh, he was referencing this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then later I talked to him more about it and letters out Al- the Al- Aloysia in Letters to Aloysia is referencing the Brothers Karamazov, mm-hmm. a book that I have tried to read <laughs> and have not sure. succeeded. Mm-hmm. Um, and... We would, there was this boy who shall remain unnamed because he is uh, transphobic and terrible now. A Um, villain. A villain, yes. He um, and I had this sort of like school kid crush on each other. And we would waltz to uh, Roof Beam's music. Um, Mm -hmm. There were some songs that were waltzes. And so, and I cannot remember what they were now. Um and I should just be smart enough to be able to count out the beats and figure it out myself. But there were some songs that Nathan would be like, this is a waltz. And so we'd like waltz. And so I would like um, waltz with my friends that were girls, which was very exciting to me as a young pansexual. I would waltz with this boy who was so cute and small. And um, I only got to see him at shows and we would like hold hands. Um, so it was just this like warm good feeling but these songs also like they were good and they're still good i guess is the other thing like i like kenny has listened to these songs and you know really loves this band too now and he came to it like so much later than i did but there are are so many bands now even bands that were like more widespread and more professionally recorded quote unquote um that i go back and i can't stand their music um, or, you know, there's like one song that I don't love. Um, so let's like also if we're talking about like why I fell in love with this band, let's let's start by listening to the beginnings of um, the first song on Fingers and Photons, which is Like Children Astray. Fair use, right? Hashtag fair use. <laughs> This is my original, um, like, copy of this song by the way, too. Like, this is what I ripped from the CD Don't in you smell my Okay. As if it, it'll leave me barrel. Don't you understand? And I want to get to this one small about the minute mark. Holding your hand, oh, please play your flute. Hope the other rats follow. Everyone is dying for affection that my 
nothing to catch the slightest glance in your eyes today. So that's the first minute of Light Children Astray. Did you catch uh, that last line right before the end? No, I think I was distracted by an earlier line. What What is the line you want me to focus on? So the... Um, the, one of the first lines in the song that's about right at about around the minute mark is everyone is dying for affection. They are vying to get the slightest glint in your eyes today. And high school was when I started writing, signing all of my um, emails and my diary entries with all my affections. Yeah. And I think that part of the reason I came to this conclusion was because I um, – it was right about the same time that I started listening to Roof Beams and I was trying to come up with a way to end my emails that indicated that I had a like great care and great intimacy for the people that I was responding to without it being like love or best or something like that or mm-hmm. sincerely, which felt trite. Um, and so I invented this sign off, which was all my affections. And um, I think it was, you know, really influenced by this song because i remember hearing that line and being like i am dying for affection Mm -hmm. um what was the line that you heard it's the title line about uh women can be led like children astray Mm -hmm. uh i i had heard i i I listened to this song uh yesterday i i think it came Uh up on the uh shuffle mix playlist that i was listening to and uh so that had already stuck in my head. Mm-hmm. And then when I heard it again, I was like, oh, okay. I know this one. Yeah. Um, this song, the, the again, I feel like that women can be led like children astray must be a reference to something, though I'm not sure what. Maybe it's not. Um, but occasionally he has lines like that that just sound very specific. And then I will look them up later and, in fact um, – find a whole world of something that he's referencing. Um, which is part of the reason why I love this band so much and why I think they're so good and still hold up is because it feels like they're like s- still opening themselves up to me after so many years. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, so their first album, um, that was their first album, uh, Fingers and Photons. It came out in April of 2006. And this album has so many hits on it (laughs) okay um like they have so many like do you know how certain bands have songs that are like last songs on an album and they have like a very specific like feeling sure the closer yeah the Um, kira sedgwick the what of the album the kira sedgwick what's that she was she was the closer on the show the closer oh (laughs) like i'm just thinking about how like um how like um, Mr. November mm-hmm. on Alligator, and then there are these songs that then like become the last because they're like they're you know I would say like almost like triumphant or like particularly moving. Um, these are the songs that end up being the last songs that they play, and Fingers and Photons has two of these songs. <laughs> okay, so the first is um, concept. Um, Concept is the seventh song out of the 11th, out of mm-hmm. the 11, and it's it's long. It's five minutes and 49 seconds. I think it might be the long. It's the longest song in the album. No, Cradled is Longer, which is the actual last song. Um, and it has this 
chorus, which is, um, it's really swelling, the song. And then it's got this chorus, which lo- which is, love is a concept that I have trouble with. Do you think that this feels like something, something close to it? Mm-hmm. Um, and you get to that part of the album and you think, it just feels like you're done, you know? It feels like sure. this is it. And then you get five more songs. Mm-hmm. And then it ends with... Didn't you say it was the seventh out of 11? Sorry. Then you get four more songs. I just did yes. math wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, then the last song is the same feeling. The last song is called Cradled. Um, and Justin told me once that it was about, okay, so Justin told me once that Cradled was about how Nathan had a crush on the cellist from Metric. Um, because the, the chorus of Cradled is, and she cradled that cello the way that I always wanted to be cradled. Um, and... I looked it up today to see who that was, and Metric doesn't have a cellist, so I don't know if I'm misremembering the band that mm-hmm. Justin told me. Yeah. Or if uh, there, like, is somebody who played cello, and, like, if it was just, like, Emily Haynes or whatever, and she played cello sometimes, and it's just, like, not easy to find record of that on Wikipedia. Yeah, or he just got it wrong. Yeah. And he, you're remembering, right, and he was thinking of some other group or something. Because he didn't write the song. Right. Um, but it's, it's, this was one of those songs that opened up to me because I just remember thinking like, oh, like this is so nice and like warm and lovely. Like she cradled that cello the way that I wanted to be cradled. And then I had sex for the first time and I was like, oh, oh, like it made way more sense to me <laughs> in a way that I just like didn't, like it went over my head before. Like, the way that, a, that like, legs go around a cello. Okay. Like, the way legs go around, uh, a lady's legs might go around a human body. I'm not familiar. <laughs> um, do you remember the song, um, I can't believe I'm bringing up the song Too Close. No. Okay, so this is, this is the same thing happened to me with Too Close. So Too Close was, like, a like R&B hit um rhythm and blues yes and they were lyrics that were like explicitly about this dude um it was by next and it was specifically about this dude having like a boner the chorus is baby when we grind in i get so excited ooh how i like it i try but i can't find it Ooh, you're dancing real close, plus real, real slow. You're making it hard for me. Uh, okay. So wait, is the man singing this? Yes. Okay. When you said that the song was about this guy having a boner, that that doesn't that sounds like the this guy in that statement is the object of of no no the, this guy who it, is singing. <laughs> yes, he's. There is a girl voice that sings on it. That later responds at one point and says, step back, you're dancing kind of close. I feel a little poke coming through on you. Sounds like a good karaoke song. But when I was a youth, I heard this song and I was like, that sounds uh, tense sexually. Like, I just like accepted, oh yeah, he, she is making it difficult for him. Uh, not oh yes. the literal you know you're making it hard for me yes 
And then at one point, our fr- my friend Becky said, do you remember the song? I was like, yeah. She was like, listen to it a little bit. Listen to it again. And I was like, oh, no. Because <laughs> everyone at the time must have understood this. I mean, I feel like this is what parents must just do, right? They must just pretend like the like the very literal and or abstract meaning of some of these songs so that their kids don't get weirded out by them. So they don't explain them to their kids. You know what I mean? You're a parent. Yeah. Well, yeah, but Elliot's like not wondering about these things yet. Still, when you, <laughs> you don't, you, you're, 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 you're a little, you're, you've crossed a line after which you can't make statements like this must be what parents are like. I mean, no, no, not what parents are like, what they do. This must be what I will have to do. Oh, gosh. Sorry, I didn't quote you. Yes. <laughs> it is the same line that you have similarly crossed. Yes. Where on the other side of it, you can't make statements like this is what parents must do. I just mean that, like, I haven't had to do this yet because Elliot doesn't interpret yeah lyrics yet i know what you mean do you know what i mean are you hearing what i'm saying maybe okay let me get back onto track it's true what they say parents do not just do not understand okay yes this is the other reason i brought right though do you remember have you listened to that song recently oh no i haven't in the second verse of that song he like hooks up with a girl and gets caught, and it's a twelve-year-old runaway. I, I don't. I don't know anything about this. <laughs> the first half is like his mom won't let him buy clothes that he likes, and the second half is, it's like literally like turns out she's a twelve-year-old runaway. I don't even know who we're talking about. Will Smith. I just thought parents just don't understand. <laughs> thought that was just an understood fact. So I'm going to. Um, request um i'm going to also tell you that concept also let me do um one of the best jokes i've ever done in my entire life good setup can't wait to hear this um or wait was that concept let me make sure that i get this right it's hard for me to talk about this band honestly because they are so um intrinsically in my in my brain Mm -hmm. that I um, just like I have access to it, like all of it at once. Okay. Yeah. 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 It's hard to parse. Yeah. I understand. Unlike brand new, which um, was so distinct between their albums and between Mm. the time periods that the albums came out. Right. Yeah. It's like listening to different bands. Yeah. And you're saying that that's in contrast to raise up roof beams where there's more consistency of sound. Yeah, and which is not to say he hasn't evolved um over time, but um especially with the first two albums um which, you know, is ha- you know, not half, I guess like a like a third of their stuff. Um it's just like all of it was at once and a lot of the songs like White was a song that I had heard a lot um, because my friend Abby had a demo of it that like Nathan had just given her, but mm-hmm. it wasn't released on anything. And then it came out on their second album, Oh Great Paradox. But I had been hearing that song for like three years, which in high school time is like an eternity. 
Okay. Like that song was old. Sure. So I just, so there's a line in Egypt, which is, I am dying right now. And all I can think of is you. And Mm -hmm. I then made this joke, which I just sent you an email to link to the file of. Okay. And I, when I figured this out that I could make this joke, I made this picture and I printed it out and I went to a show that Nathan was playing at and I like hopped, it was at the championship, we were in the parking lot and I like hopped on over to Nathan and I was like, hey, I have something for you. And he was like, oh no. And I was like, no, it's good. And I handed it to him. And I cannot remember his reaction except that he was not fully disgusted. Okay. That's something. Yeah, I'm looking at it. So can you explain what's happening? Uh, Sure, yes. Happily. Uh, You've written, I am dying right now, and all I can think of is U-E-W-E. And uh, it is an image of someone uh, dying uh, what looks like a towel, honestly, but it's probably <laughs> like a shirt. And uh, you put Nathan's face over this person and gave it a thought bubble. And there's a sheep in the thought <laughs> bubble. And uh, uh, how old were you? Oh, uh, when I did that? I think 19. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I- I've done worse. <laughs> It was a very good joke. It, um, I think you can put the E in the word dying when you are, when you are using that meaning. I don't really. Yeah. Oh yeah. I guess you're right. I'm sure I looked that up at the time and maybe just came to a bad conclusion. The the joke still translates. Yeah. (laughs) Cause there's a picture. Yes. That is why. Another um, highlight from um, Fingers and Photons is the song Faux Revolutionary. Because this song, uh, which is his dancing song, he calls it, because there's a line in it that's like, use your hips when you dance, um, has another line in it that says, every girl I've ever met, she's been replaced easily enough with a pack of cigarettes. Everyone, everyone. And again, this was on his first album. So I was hearing this before 2006 when the album came out. I heard it for years after. And then the summer when I was 19, so it would have been 2007, no, 2008, um, I saw him play a house show and he had just gotten engaged to who is now his wife, Anne. And he hadn't played the song in a while, but I guess the show he was playing was like book billed as some sort of like dance party or something. So they were playing the song and he changed the line to every girl I've ever met. She's been replaced easily enough with a pack of cigarettes. Everyone except one. Mm-hmm. And I just about burst into tears. I mean, I mean, biography aside, mm-hmm. like if you knew nothing about the singer or songwriter's personal life, that is uh, 100 times better (laughs) well i think the thing about this is that i you know how we've talked about like finding easter eggs and things and like picking up on little jokes Mm -hmm. and references like yeah nathan is so 
smart and good at writing lyrics and has such dense sort of like concepts and lyrics that it concepts in his lyrics that whenever I do pick up on something like this, or I notice that something has changed, it makes me feel so smart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, um, I love that I've been able to grow up like on a parallel track with Nathan mm. because when I met Nathan, let's say he was 22 and I was 16. Mm-hmm. You know, I've now reached the age that he was when I met him and surpassed it by an equal amount of time. Okay. Or more. Equal um, to the difference. Yes. Between so like, your two ages. Yeah. And so we've, you know, he's always like, quote unquote, ahead of me, but I've been able to like, you know, I've been able to see him grow as an artist, but like also I've been able to go to him and be like, hey, look, I'm actually making art now. (laughs) Uh And like, here are my poems. Yeah. So, so you asked me a question earlier, like, how well do I know Nathan? Would Nathan and I ever get dinner together? No. Um, We're not friends like that. Uh, We're friends on the internet. Um, and I have just known him for a very long time, and he knows that I really love his music. How many people love this band? I mean, I think a lot did in high school, but, you know, we we both grew up, right? And he has a real career now um, that doesn't really allow for him to, like, go on tour in the summer. Okay. For weeks at a time, which is something that he used to do sometimes. Uh-huh. Um, and he also, you know, with having a career has uh, a family Mm -hmm. so for example like i was saying fingers and photons came out in april of 2006 their second album oh great paradox came out in july of 2007 so it came out like the month after i graduated from high school Mm -hmm. and we didn't get another album until 2012 Uh uh-huh so if we're looking at like um that timing like the last album we got from them was before I even went to college and we didn't get Poison Arrows until I was in grad school. Mm-hmm. So a big gap. And have we talked about time compression at all on this podcast? I don't know if we have. Brian Uliu posted something about this um, in terms of like a song that he was talking to his students about where he was like, I need, he's like, we cannot forget about the time compression that our students experience because he had played a song for them that was from like 2017. I think it was this fall. So it was from Mm -hmm. two years before, maybe let's say two and a half years if it came out in the spring. And for him, this was still like sort of a new song. It's like only two years old, but for them, because the difference between them being you know, in college and being maybe halfway through high school is so great. For them, it felt like eternities ago. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't understand this because I'm not old. Well, I think that this, you don't, you mean you don't feel this way about like moving from high school into like college and then now? It's all, it's all, yesterday was an eternity to, ago to me uh, because I am a young man <laughs> and, uh, Time is whatever the opposite of compressed is. I experience a time decompression uh, because I'm so youthful. Uh And uh, 
<laughs> not at all uh turning 30 in like 10 days <laughs> um yeah i definitely feel this way because my my high school experience just felt so varied and dense and like so many things happened over like let's say the last three years i was in high school and maybe the first year i was a freshman in college mm-hmm. and now you know time you know to think that those things happened a decade ago feels like wild to me if if you want to know what i think about my relationship with time and my memories mm-hmm. uh, uh speaking a little bit more generally than you might be asking about I think we may have talked about this. Certainly, I've thought about it. I don't know whether we've talked about it on mic before, but uh, basically, uh, I tend to be uh, focused on the present. Mm-hmm. And you, uh, and this might be a bit of a gendered difference between us, or that might just be a coincidence, but mm-hmm. uh, you have a lot of uh relationships and uh the intimacy the cl- the closeness the the significance the weight the importance mm-hmm. of those relationships lasting over time um whereas for me uh like you i knew in college mm-hmm. and that was a few years ago and we live on different sides of the country now. Mm-hmm. What we do here talking to each other is like the podcast is like a pretense for like, I would never have this kind of relationship with anyone mm-hmm. if 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 it weren't for doing this. And in fact, we did not have this relationship before we did this. Right. And I think that uh, that sort of like... I don't keep in touch with people. I don't have them like reminding me of those previous times in my life. Mm-hmm. I that I attribute. I understand that to be the reason why my memories of high school, my memories of school before high school, my memories of college, and now my memories of grad school. Even they're all kind of they're they're all kind of faded and they're all kind of oh yeah i see what you mean they're all kind of on another continent that i'm not on anymore where i can like barely see them and i barely think about them Mm -hmm. so yeah my relationship with with time and like how long ago was it or whatever or you, you say like i can't believe it was that long ago and i say like I feel like I'm living a different lifetime <laughs> yeah. compared to the times in your life that you're recalling, you know, in my life. I guess, like, I guess the easiest to. way that I can put it is this, which is that, like, you and I have been friends for 11 years now. Mm-hmm. And I still think of you as one of my newer friends. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> because you are, for example, not Chad, my best friend who I've known since I was nine. Yeah. Or you, you are you're one of my oldest friends. Yes. <laughs> you and, like, and Dana and Kim and Sarah uh-huh. are the people I'm friends with who I met in college. Yeah. And and uh anyone from before that 
is like is dead. Someone, I, someone I <laughs> what did you I say? Said, dead? I said is dead. Yeah, well, yeah, dead. They're dead to me. That's thank you for giving me that language. Yeah, I'll use it. Uh, it applies. No, of course they're not, and and of course some of those memories I cherish, and I I I uh, want the best for them, and I would welcome some of them back into my life, mm-hmm. but uh, I know that that's not going to happen, mm-hmm. and uh, we and I don't keep in touch with them, mm-hmm. and they don't keep in touch with me, frankly. Yeah, that's something that I had to like remind myself of with some people who stopped talking to me, which is that like um a couple of times I had friends that stopped talking to me and they would sort of, you know, it was brought up from various people that weren't necessarily them like, well, you know, how often did you contact them? And I'm like I started racking my brain of every time I had done it and then I was like, wait a second. They didn't do anything to see me. We we have a sort of, I think we, I, I might be projecting something onto you, but I think that we might have sort of an opposite relationship with this uh, uh, subject where if if uh, somebody falls out of touch with you, you might take it personally, mm-hmm. whereas you should just not take it personally and you should think like, well, that's what happens and mm-hmm. pe- and it tends, to, it, it do be like that. Most of the time, whereas with me, people I fall out of touch with people. I tend to think like, well, it's so hard to keep in touch. This is just what happens when really maybe I should take it personally and I should reflect <laughs> on like yeah, maybe I was never <laughs> I was never that fr- that great or that good a friend to them the, or, uh, uh, you know, desire role <laughs> in that way. There, there have been people that I would say that I have fallen out of touch with. They don't – that doesn't bother me so much. It's people that I have um, been very, very close with who have actively gone out of their way to ignore me. Um, okay. That and hurts. What, what, and I, I'm, I, I, I'm not asking for – Name, state of birth, names, social security specific number. examples. But yeah. when you just – in general, when you say actively ignoring you mm-hmm. – does that take the form of like you're in the same room with them and they won't acknowledge you? Like other than that, how do you actively ignore someone? Like, like, um, like I had a friend who we always had a tradition of, um, calling each other on our birthdays, you know, messaging each other when certain things happened, um, that were meaningful to us. And, um, this was some, the person I'm thinking of in particular was somebody that I was very, very close with for a very long time and I had um, visited this person many times where they were going to college. Um, mm-hmm. And then um, they just stopped responding to anything that I contacted them about. Mm-hmm. But I could tell from the internet that they, it's not like they were like just not on the internet. You know what I mean? Like, sure. Um, yeah. I, I, I just, I, I'm not And this I'm this not, is again not, not me not me trying I'm not at the and it wasn't at this point that I was trying to like get them to talk to me on the phone for an hour every week or something. Mm-hmm. That that sure. was not what I wanted. I just was like, yeah. "Hey, here's something interesting that I thought you might like." Yeah. Yeah. But over like with like no response like so many like every time for like so many times. I totally understand and believe 
that you're being reasonable. I, and what I'm about to say about myself, I'm not saying that my way is better or my way is the right way. Mm-hmm. But it might be totally off base and I might be uh, stunting my growth emotionally. But I just tend to try not to be too precious about this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, without naming any, naming any names. Only providing social security numbers. A one, two, one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I made a friend in grad school. I was uh, in Ohio for two years. Mm-hmm. And during that time, I was staying in a long distance relationship with my uh, college girlfriend. Uh, still my girlfriend. I was going to say, still your girlfriend. <laughs> uh, and uh, my ex-college sweetheart now just sweetheart uh uh, and uh so it was uh you know uh there there was there was a lot to talk about Mm -hmm. there i any day any day of the week month year i could you know vent uh because i had a lot of frustrations and there was a friend who uh we would you know go out to lunch we would hang out we would we became uh, pretty close. It was a very meaningful friendship to me. It was very important to me that we could have these long conversations mm-hmm. where we were like very intimate and personal. And uh, we just, I, I, I don't know how they felt because I don't know how anyone has ever felt <laughs> other than <laughs> me. And I barely know about myself sometimes. <laughs> but I I think that I relied on them and I think that we relied on each other Mm -hmm. for a lot. And then, uh, and then grad school ended and it was like, there were some text messages here and there. And then they left Facebook Mm -hmm. and it was like, oh, this person has just like totally dropped off the map Mm -hmm. for me. Like there's no, they they might as well not exist. Mm -hmm. And then last year, so this would have been, this was like four or five years out mm-hmm. from the last time I had contact with them. Um, they sent me a LinkedIn connection request. Yeah. So I was like, all right, hell yeah, that's, it's, it's on now. Mm-hmm. So I accepted and I sent them a LinkedIn message. Mm-hmm. And we started messaging back and forth mm-hmm. and catching up and having a conversation that I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. And then that fizzled out. Mm-hmm. And it did not fizzle out because I stopped sending messages. Yeah. It fizzled out because I was the last one to send a message and they haven't sent one back. Yeah. Kind of sucks, but what are you going to do? Yeah. I got other people, you know? Yeah. And uh, even if I didn't, I got myself and <laughs> TV. Well, uh, and uh, it's it's the it's it's the way it goes, mm-hmm. you know. And roof beams. Yeah, <laughs> I'm joking. You you've got roof beams. Yeah, I've got TV. I forget how we got to this time compression. Right. Um. Oh, which is to say that yeah. So like April 2006 and July 2007 felt like just I mean it, it was worlds away from one another to me. Sure. Mm -hmm. Um, but now I realize like how lucky we were to get an album essentially a year apart from one another. Yeah, of course. Yeah. That Um, that doesn't happen very often. 
I do want to play, I want to end with a clip from Egypt, which is another one of the bangers from Fingers and Photons, a perennial favorite. Egypt is the one that the joke came from. Yes. Right. from the normal verse chorus pattern um, was the sort of thing that as a high schooler um, really meant a lot to me for a lot Mm -hmm. of reasons. So like structurally, the fact that there was this whole new part to the song um, was surprising to me at the time. Mm -hmm. But then also these, these lines that were like, it's so heavy. Won't you kiss me, please kiss me until there's only lightness left. Um, was the sort of thing that as a high schooler, like I just felt in my bones where I was like, yes, when I feel just despair, like if I can be with my person who, you know, was whoever at the time, like mm-hmm, right. that, that will like bring me light. That will make me light again. Yeah. Um, and that's, that like feeling of like genre of music um that feeling of like we're in this together and we're gonna get through this hard time is like a something that roof beams covers a lot and something that i also like love in a song mm-hmm. right um i i i, yes. I will just say listening to that clip uh Yes, I, I characterize them in and you know call the genre whatever you want. That is like some banjo plucking. I know music. it's amazing. That and, was and it, oh, go ahead. No, I was just I, I was listening to it yesterday and thinking like, huh, what is the genre? And I was trying to work it out in my head, and I thought of folk rock and I thought indie something or other, and I thought, is there such a thing as like is, is there's post punk? Is there post folk? I know, or like indie folk. Yeah, I almost want to say post folk. It, <laughs> it's like because it is folk, but also at the same time, it's like it's like the modern update of folk. Yeah, yeah and it's also um, that banjo. So like, so J- Justin was the one who played banjo and mandolin, and yeah, I think that's part of why 
this music really holds up for me too is because um the technicality of that that like Mm -hmm. oh man that's so banjo plucking like that isn't something that you just run across in like a high school band sure or a band that is just playing shows all of the time when you're in high school Mm -hmm. um yeah and i also know that like the one thing that nathan and i did have in common was there were there were those like canadian indie bands um that like those canadian indie rock bands that were like really big in the mid-aughts like Mm. metric broken social scene stars um and i think that he and i both were listening and influenced by them and i Mm -hmm. hear that in what he's writing it's not a direct like one-to-one um but like the feeling of those songs feels very similar to me to these songs and not not just because i was because i I didn't listen to i pretty much only listened to broken social scene at the time it was only later that i started listening to stars and stuff and so Mm -hmm. i can see that it's interesting to hear uh your expert your your expert level perspective on this group and uh the comparisons that you make and just comparing them to like my sort of like first impression reactions Mm -hmm like based on <clears throat> excuse me my first impression like i thought and i wonder if you will agree or you think this is out of left field i think the obvious comparison is to the mountain goats oh yeah probably yeah i listened to it and i thought like oh yeah it's like you know it's like it's like the old lo-fi mm-hmm. you know john darniel and a tape recorder like mountain goat stuff um but with like a full band sound to yeah, it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I wonder, I'm sure he, mu- like, he must have, like, he must have listened to Mountain Goats. I, it was as a very you, hip thing to do. Yes. <laughs> I, as you know, have listened to them um, not as much. Mm-hmm. I know he talked in one of these things, he mentioned some of the, like, bands that influenced him, but now I can't find it. Um, what are you looking at? At the so they have a Bandcamp page where you can buy all uh, of their music if you'd like. Uh-huh. Um, you can also listen to it to Spotify since I know you're all like on on my side now. <laughs> yeah, except not about Spotify. <laughs> what do you mean? I would like to take this opportunity to say that I think Spotify sucks and I don't like using it. And oh that's yeah, why I never use it. No, that's fine. And I did, I did actually. I know, and I know you've said that to me before. I sent you that playlist because that was just like the easiest way to get you. Yeah. And that's totally fine. Yeah. Um, It's not your fault that Spotify sucks (laughs) and I don't like it. Um, So just a couple of notes on Oh Great Paradox. Um, When Oh Great Paradox came out, this was when they first had Kelly that they were recording, who was that upright bass player. And she was Mm -hmm. also singing backing vocals. Nathan's um, sister has also sung backing vocals on a couple of the songs. That album started to do some like cool stuff um, with, like just beyond the sort of like straight up like here's a song um i want to play how the song how the album starts because i think it's a really strong start to an album Mm -hmm. um it's real jaunty she said she said your ears must have been burning because i've been So that's that's drinking to you. That's the beginning I, of drinking to you. I hope you won't mind me saying yes. 
that after listen how many songs were in the playlist that the spotify playlist that you sent me i think 10 yeah i always and and after that i went to youtube and i just sort of listened to random top tracks Mm -hmm. and i hope you don't mind me saying that after listening to i would estimate maybe like 15 different songs of theirs um that one is the single one to make an impression oh that's great yeah drinking to you that's the one that was like oh what's this one and i committed it to memory and this song too drinking to you too is another song where my experience of it live versus my experiences of the album are very vastly different Mm. um there's a lot of like extra instruments in the album version in a way that's quite pleasant but feels very full um whereas when he had been playing that initially um live there just there wasn't i think there's like a piano in it or something Mm -hmm. and he did not have that in the live so hearing that on the album i think is like i love that opening for an album that like she Mm. said and then just like everything rushing in yeah yeah um but then also to know that that's going to happen and then it be even richer than what i was expecting was Mm. just a delight yeah um like i said um on this album he also has these two parts which i didn't send you um called i'm magellan part one and i'm magellan part two which are these like really weird like um i'll play you part of that too Did you hear that weird like? Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard him perform these songs live, but those two songs were songs that I was like, "Oh, these are so weird!" Like they're both, they're both under two minutes long. Um, they're like put through this filter that makes him sound like very old timey. Um, there's definitely music happening, but there's so much of it is like there's also like background noise, like you can hear. Um, like people laughing in the background that are like, it's clearly just like ambient noise that he recorded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which I thought was really incredible. Yeah. Oh, and then the other song here that's worth noting. Um, th- I mean, again, this was another album that had two sort of end songs. So Heavy mm-hmm. Machine is the eighth song on the album and that song feels like an end. And then you get Undressed in Our Sleep which is the actual end. <laughs> yeah. Uh, both really big, um, meaningful songs. Heavy Machine has this line, um, the night is a heavy machine. And I think that's one of those like lines that whenever it's, um, you know, maybe I'm traveling and it's really late and there's a lot of cars or people partying, mm. I think, oh, the night's a heavy machine. Yeah. Um, the other song here is, there's a song Carried Away um, that Nathan wrote he was in the army um and at one point Whoa. when i was in high school we thought he was going to be deployed sure and this was when he was with ann and um when i remember when this happened before this song was written because abby called me my friend abby called me um who knew knew nathan a little bit better than i did at the time and was like 
Nathan might be going to war. And I was like, what? And so this was also like my, like Nathan, you know, whether he knew it or not, was like also my sort of first experience of like something suddenly feeling very real and very adult. Mm -hmm. Um, Because suddenly this person that I knew could be uh, sent to a different country and killed. And that was something that before had only been part of fictions. Sure. You know, like movies or TV or whatever. Yeah, <clears throat> of course. Um, And so then to hear, to know that that had happened and then, you know, however much longer later to hear the song carried away um, was wild. Yeah. That sort of, I mean, again, I'm just going off of first impressions. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of extrapolating from very little time spent listening to mm-hmm. this music. But yeah, in a weird way, that like makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like kind of in the way that like when you find out that like Adam Driver was a Marine. Yeah. Before he was a famous actor. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah, I guess that is what you're bringing to this. And I know that like, I mean, I guess you've sort of seen pictures of Nathan, but like Nathan's pretty much had the same haircut for like 12 years, 15 years. Okay. And I feel like it's that like army haircut. Uh-huh. Sort of recently, he's let the top get a little bit longer, but um, no, he's just always had the same haircut. Yeah, probably makes his bed, too. Yeah, ugh. <laughs> Who are those people? Not me. Sorry, Grandma Jane, rest in peace. Um, My grandma would be furious to know that I, maybe not furious, but she'd be disappointed, I think. <laughs> um. So, again, there was this, like, you know, five-year gap between... Mm-hmm. Oh, Great Paradox and Poison Arrows. And in this time... Albums two and three. Yes. In this time, I was in college and they were still playing shows and I fairly regularly and I was seeing them um, not as often as I used to, which was sometimes like every month, but sometimes more than once a month. But now I was seeing them, um, you know, a couple of times a year and they were still um, playing new songs. And this um, was the first time that I heard the song Never Tire. Uh-huh. Um, now, I had you listen to Never Tire yes, earlier Yes, this today. is the one song that you specifically asked me, make sure you listen to this one. Yeah. Um, oh, God. What did you think of it? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's good. That's my favorite song. Uh, not a, Not just of theirs. Yeah, yes. it, That's your favorite song, period. Also of theirs, but... Sure. Well, um, by by default, one would think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the song Never Tire, um, I remember the first time that I heard it, Nathan was playing a few new songs. So he played Never Tire and he also played a song called Hurricane, both of which were on um, Poison Arrows when it came out. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember where I was when I heard it for the first time, but I will never forget the way that I felt, which this song... Um, is a little bit different than all of their other songs, I would say. It's got, it's a little bit more driving. Um, I don't want to say it's like darker, but it's like more somber, I would say. Mm. Um, it's working with, I mean, Nathan's always sort of like worked really well with, you know, going between like quieter and louder to create sure. rises and falls in the song with his voice but this song is just like driving forward with that constantly the um 
that you you mentioned getting louder and quieter and louder in the same song uh which uh makes me think of the pixies Mm -hmm. and i did get like a little bit of a pixies vibe uh mostly from the vocals okay yeah there's some like shouting there's some like shout singing Mm -hmm. uh and with my limited music knowledge in my mind that's like a pixies thing Mm -hmm. yeah that sounds right um and yeah he does do some shout singing but in a way that feels um like as soon as you said that i could think of you know three or four or ten times that he does that but it's not it's so it feels so baked in that i don't even that's not something i would have ever brought forth interesting um and so originally when this song came out i i just felt like i remember listening to it i just remember feeling like my body was being shredded into pieces and then just like thrown back together in like the mm-hmm. best way possible where it the, the song just destroyed me and i was like i need to feel that way again the chorus is i think i know how to run and never tire and he basically just sings that like four times yeah and i i when i first heard the song it was in one of the like harder parts of my life though i've mm-hmm. returned to it at other hard parts in my life Right. And I remember just feeling like that person who's saying that doesn't actually know how to run and never tire. Mm. But, and they're exhausted, but they're so determined and persistent. Right. And um, there's something so that 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 felt so true to me um, at the time where like. I was like, I think. I know how to get through, you know, X, Y, Z and, and never tire. Um, and there's something stubborn about that, that I really, yeah, that's a good word for it. Really like connected with. Right. Um, I think I know what you're talking about. I think I know, I think I've had similar feelings and similar attachments to songs or even just like a line from something, you know, a show, an episode of a show or something where it, it, especially I'm going to talk about it specifically in the case of a song where it becomes like, it becomes like an anthem Mm -hmm. for like a specific feeling. Yes. Which is, it does have to do with perseverance, which has to do with stubbornness, Yeah, which is like, I need to listen to this. It's, it's not the same as like a psych up song, like a song that's going to make me feel good. Like it's a song mm-hmm. that's going to make you feel like powerful. Yes. Despite being <laughs> burdened <laughs> by suffering. Uh and uh there <laughs> and this is a this is a bad example but it's the only one that I can think of. Mm-hmm. I'm remembering grad school again and I'm remembering that while I was in grad school I was watching Breaking Bad. Yeah. And season five of Breaking Bad, the final season was was new. And have you seen Have you seen Breaking Bad? I have um, watched parts of it. Kenny has uh, recapped a lot of it to me. There's a scene in the final season where, as I remember it, I haven't watched it in a while, but Jesse mm-hmm. uh, is as distraught as 
anyone has ever been. Mm-hmm. And he's crying and yelling uh, about, to someone else, but about referring to Walt. He's yelling, he can't keep getting away with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that stuck with me hard. Yeah. And it still does, but especially right at that time when I saw it, mm-hmm. I was like, this is stuck in my head. And this is just like playing like a refrain in my head mm-hmm. as I'm like going through my life feeling like, you know, I got to keep doing this, even though some of this, even though I feel like everything sucks Yeah, <laughs> yeah. in my head, I, 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 I could just, in my head, I could just sort of rise above it all mm-hmm. for a moment. Yeah. Thinking to myself, like, he can't keep getting away with it. <laughs> yes. Yes. I absolutely, that's exactly how that felt. I remember when, um, when Bob was in the hospital, um, just listening you know, when Bob was in the hospital, I know I, I always bring it up because it feels like a like a keystone moment. Like it feels like I know you haven't watched Doctor Who, but in Doctor Who, they talk about fixed events mm-hmm. where like there's there's some things that the doctor can't change because they're mm-hmm. like fixed. Sure. And this feels that way. And um, I just remember like, um, you know, being in hospice with my like child who's just running around and like literally hearing a death rattle from Bob and Mm. just going home, putting Elliot to bed, like Kenny wouldn't be home and like putting my headphones and just listening to never tire for like 30 minutes straight. Yeah. Where I was like, this is like, this is the only thing that's keeping me grounded right now. Right. And what I'm about to say, I think it goes without saying, but I've gotten in trouble before for, not saying things that I thought were just understood and Uh and went without saying. So I'll just articulate that. Like when I'm reflecting on times in my life where I felt overburdened or I felt like everything sucked. Yeah. The, in fact, not everything sucked and there were good things and I had them and I had good things and I had friends and I had family. I had a lot of support. It's, it's not literally true. That everything sucks. Oh no! Um, it and just, I... but 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 we've been there, and we've been through times um, where it felt like uh, this is this is this is a bit much. This, yeah, <laughs> and, and I don't, and I want something else. But also, I think I think it's worth saying, especially in a situation like grad school, that um, I think it's easy to look back at schooling situations and maybe minimize how terrible they might have been Mm. um not to say that your grad school experience was explicitly terrible but like certain events or time periods because they are so temporary because eventually you graduate Mm. and just leave and there is Mm -hmm. privilege to that right um but by the same token like you are in those situations like sort of stuck in a system Mm -hmm. that if you want to continue to achieve the goal that you've set out for yourself which is like the degree and the education Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I had this like, I had this terrible boss when I started working at um the writing center at George Mason, who mm-hmm. was fired the next year. Like I wasn't making it up, you know. <laughs> he did not keep getting away with it. Yeah, and um, at the time, I mean, that was that like there was like a three or four week period there where I just had stomach pain constantly, and I mm-hmm. um knew that I was going to get out of it eventually because I knew that by the end of the year I wouldn't be working 
at the writing center anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I but by the same token, I was 100 percent stuck in that system and I could not get out of it. And th- I'm glad you said that because thank goodness that we are not stuck in a system any longer <laughs> and that I do not depend upon forces that I hate with my life uh, <laughs> in order to survive. Oh, capitalism. Um, I do want to play um, some of um, just the beginning part of um, Never Tire because yeah. it is my favorite, it's your favorite song. favorite song. You've, we've got to hear your favorite song. Ever. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. I'll Oop, just... Nope, that's not it. While you're loading that up, I'll just say that the reason that we haven't heard my favorite song is because it's not a song by the Decemberists. My favorite song is Two-Headed Boy by Neutral Milk Hotel. That album is perfect. Yes, it is. We've talked about it uh, in the past. It is one of my Desert Island discs, Mm -hmm. of course. I own that on vinyl. Okay, so here's Never Tire. Oh, also, we haven't talked about the fact that Nathan plays harmonica while he plays guitar. That's exactly what I was going to bring up. Which is incredible, because he has a whole, like, case of harmonicas that he switches out. He has, like, a little holder. He's a regular Dimitri Martin. Yeah. He always knew just how to leave. He always knew just how to leave then. Breathless, you always knew everything Except how to grow But now I know, now I know Just like money, the ones you love They have been flow Just like money, Oh hey, he's talking the about the exact thing that we were talking about So... I want to bring up something else about this song, which is that when I when I was in grad school working in the writing center specifically, I was learning about different um, meters and stuff in college because uh, I was in um, poetry. Um, and I realized that um, this line, there's this line later where he says, do not mistake my reticence for indecision. And I got it stuck in my head, but I wasn't sure why. And so I decided to scan it and found out that it's in iambic hexameter Mm. with a feminine ending, which uh, means that it ends um, with an extra syllable that is um, Mm unemphasized. So I, I wrote this to him on Facebook. I said, basically, you have these six feet of really strongly stressed iams, but then at in the end, in this moment of, dare I say, indecision, there's a feminine ending. And feminine endings are oftentimes used to indicate a question as opposed to an answer. Um, so it's this perfect moment where scanning the line matches up with the sort of contradiction of the song, right? Where he's saying, mm-hmm. do not mistake my reticence for indecision. And yet the line itself is indicating a moment of indecision. Mm-hmm. Um, and then secondly, it's in hexameter instead of pentameter so it's got 12 feet or it's got Mm. six feet of um 12 syllables um which we tend not to write in english because the way that syllables work we tend to read it in tri trimeters so it'll it'll fold in onto itself Mm. um so like basically it's really difficult to write 
lines in hexameter that don't have sashuras in the middle that basically so a sashura is a pause okay and so when you have a line of iambic pentameter there's might be sashuras in some lines but oftentimes you can get through a whole line without having a pause with hexameter it's really difficult to get through a line without having a pause and so that in that sort of breaks the line which is supposed to be like a unit into two units mm-hmm and so that's what I mean when I say it's like folding it onto itself. Oh, okay. Um, because it's this, it's essentially got like a secret line break, let's say. Uh-huh. And um, Nathan wrote to me, my elaborate code has been cracked. I always knew you'd do it, Liz. Your prizes, well, you already have all of our stuff. High five. Yeah, that tracks. <laughs> um. And then I have, I can't, I mean, I can believe I'm still talking about this song. So Mm -hmm. for years, again, I didn't get a recorded version of the song until 2012. So for years, the only recorded version I had of it was one that my friend Becky had recorded at the Granville house. Just like a, like a, like a digital camera video that she had recorded. Ah, okay. That she had posted on Facebook. The Granville house was a trailer that was in the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania, where my friend Tara Toms lived. And... She would have, like, house shows at her house. It was in this, like, trailer with this, like, big field and we could be as loud as we wanted. And, um, but this this recording specifically takes place in the trailer and it's dark, so you can really only hear the song. And there was the second part of the second verse where he sings, um, and the cathedral songs and the cathedral songs, um, they sing, uh, something so, I can't remember that part. And then... The end of it is uh, into that fire, and I think I know how to run. And when I listened to the recorded version later, I was like, wait, where are the cathedral songs? Like, this is missing. Mm -hmm. And so I finally asked Nathan about it. And he was like, oh, because he he then played the song again, and I realized that he was singing the cathedral songs part and i asked him about it he was like yeah we just forgot to record that part it's still mm-hmm. part of the song and i was like what <laughs> what do you mean sure it happens um which just i've, felt- I've forgotten to record parts of this podcast before <laughs> um so yeah that that's my favorite song ever mm-hmm. i um have let him know that so after Poison Arrows came out, um, let's see. We had another break. So he put out an EP. Again, mm-hmm. he has three children at this point. I mean, not at this point. In, in like, at, currently as we speak, he has three children. Um, so he he's working. He does something with trains that I don't fully understand. I made him explain it to me the last time I saw him play. But he does something with trains. Like, he's not a conductor. Sometimes mm-hmm. he posts pictures of himself in like a hard hat at a train construction site, but he works in an office. Sometimes he travels to California to look at trains. Sometimes he'll like post videos of trains. Sure. So who knows? But um, in 2014, we got Tectonics, which was an EP. Um, and this is another one of those. So- uh, this had another one of those moments where um, he has a song called Foxholes and mm. The chorus is, I've been digging foxholes for atheists. Yep. Do you know that phrase? 
I I listened to the song. I remember this lyric specifically. And uh, yeah, separate from that, I know the phrase, there are no atheists in foxholes. Yeah. So I did not know this. Sure. At all. And this so is the years, story of your life. <laughs> for years, I listened to this song and I finally like Googled it and was like, oh, God. Sure. Um, always teaching me. Um, so then in 2017, um, August 11th, 2017, Sharon came out, um, which was a full length album. Um, Did it you had, say 2017? Yeah. Like last year. What? I'm I'm trying to make oh. a time compression well, no, joke. It still feels new, and I mean, it yeah. especially feels new to me because, like, I have, you know, I have most of these lyrics memorized, but not all of them. <laughs> I'm still writing 2017 on all my checks. <laughs> there, 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 there. I found the joke. <laughs> um, and this album is is like really um. Like, it feels more mature. Um, he is singing a lot about family. Oh, my gosh. I'm so I'm so sorry. We need to go back to Poison Arrows really quick. Okay. There is a song on Poison Arrows called Dinosaur. Mm-hmm. And the reason it's... It has nothing to do with dinosaurs. It's the first... It's also the first song on the album. And um, I love... I want to I play this really quick. I'm gonna just going to play the very beginning of it, and then I'll tell you why it's called Dinosaur. Okay. So did did you hear the drums in the background there? Mm-hmm. So apparently when they first started playing this song and they would be practicing, they would just be like, yo, Harrison, play that dinosaur beat. Yeah. And he'd play that like galumphy like drum yeah. thing and then they'd yeah. pick up into it. And when they play uh-huh. it live um, when and they have a drummer now, they always start with that first yeah. which is not how it's in the recording uh-huh. and that's why the song's called dinosaur that makes complete sense <laughs> if you asked me to guess i i think i would have gotten there um okay sorry thank you um so you know he has a song called like grow together um he has this really beautiful song called circling a stone which is about um the the moon sharon which goes around Pluto and oh. what does it mean for Pluto? For what does it mean for Sharon when like she realized that she wasn't circling a planet, she was just circling a stone? Yeah, okay. Um so again, like like Can I tell that, you my yes. experience of hearing that song? Oh yes, please. I the, I remember hearing that one listening to uh their music yesterday. I am not familiar with the moons of Pluto or one of them <laughs> being named Sharon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can probably assume what I thought. No. Because the, wor- the, the, the word Sharon or the name Sharon mm-hmm. comes up a lot in the song. And since I didn't know what that was, I just assumed that he was saying the name Sharon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but saying it kind of funny. Saying it weird. Yeah. Yeah, and Nathan does sometimes sing things the way that I don't think he should. Sure. There's a line where he's like, um, 
Owen Sart will forgive you for using his copyrighted sickness for your own personal gain. Owen Soren will forgive you just like he has forgiven me again and again and again and again. And he sings it so many times. And I was at a show once um, in this like middle of this field and he was playing sort of uh, maybe not last, but like close to last. The sun was setting and I was standing in the front and I was singing along and he got to that part and I was like, and again and again. And and he heard me and like Mm -hmm. locked eyes with me. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we just glared at each other. Um, There's a joke uh, not dissimilar to what you just described uh, in the movie Cats. Oh, yeah? Where one of the cats sings about himself and he, uh, the the line ends with tames Mm -hmm. so that it will rhyme with whatever the last line ended with. Mm Mm-hmm. But the river is called the Thames. Oh. <laughs> it's just spelled Thames. Uh-huh. And so he sings that. And then James Corden, the cat, does this whole riff about mm-hmm. like, yeah, but it's not really called the Thames, is it? <laughs> it's Thames. You can't just change it to Thames to make it rhyme. <laughs> well, I did it first, folks. Yeah. Assuming yeah, that's I, not in the stage production. I I pray that it is not. <laughs> It felt to me like a meta joke, like, uh, like you know the song, now we're going to riff on it. Mm-hmm. But I don't know the musical. So Nathan, um, no, I don't either, thank God, except for- Oof, The book. Did I tell you my actual first interaction with cats? I don't think so, as much as we talked about it last week. There is a Reading Rainbow episode where <sighs> they visit the, they're like explaining theater- and mm-hmm. there's like a voiceover as like one of the people is like putting on their makeup for cats or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I remember being very interested in things like theater as a mm-hmm. six, seven, eight year old. Yeah. And this woman was like, when I, so it's like a voiceover and she's like, when I start to put on my cat makeup, I start to feel like a cat. Mm-hmm. And it, she's like, she like swoops some like, yeah. you know, eyeshadow onto her eye and then looks in the mirror and goes, Rawr. And like claws uh, her hands, and I remember yes. thinking, as like a child, yeah, yes. that's that's weird. <laughs> I distinctly got the impression watching the 2019 feature film Cats mm-hmm. that there was exactly one person in the cast who felt that way, mm-hmm. or acted that way, yeah. or internalized their character that way, yeah. And that person was Ian McKellen. Perfect. Yes. <laughs> I I didn't get that reading at all from anyone else. It was just like, okay, they're singing, they're dancing. They're, Ian McKellen seemed like he was making choices based on asking himself, what if I were a cat? <laughs> I read, I've read a bunch of things that have been like, Cats was terrible. It was a horror show. Like, it was the worst. Oh, except Ian McKellen was like pretty good. <laughs> he is good. I give... I think the show stopper scene stealer, but it's there's got to be a better the movie stealer, yeah. not just the scene, but the whole show is, is Taylor Swift. I think that she's number one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In terms of performance level. Mm-hmm. But Ian McCallan is a close second. And then everyone else <laughs> distant tied for third. And then everyone else. But yeah, Sharon. So Sharon. Um, it's it's 
a really good album and I was really nervous. So I knew some of the songs that were going to be on Sharon because of um, he had been releasing a couple of singles here and there. Um, and uh, occasionally when um, NPR does the Tiny Desk concert, he'll record a video for that. Um, I think mostly as an excuse to like record a video. <laughs> what does that mean? Record a video f- for that? Do you know the Tiny Desk concert that they do? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm familiar. So he'll record like a very high quality live video of him playing one of his songs um, to submit to the Tiny Desk concert. But I don't think, bless him, I don't think he ever expects to win. I think that it's more like, this is something I can do. And Mm -hmm. the fact that I'm doing it for this contest gives me a reason to make a very high quality copy of me singing this song live. Right. That's like me doing a year of this podcast in order to apply for a comedy grant from the Bugmain <laughs> Foundation. Yes. Yes. Which I, hopefully I, I will can... be funding some uh, of our website <laughs> fees. I think that ship has sailed. <laughs> <laughs> but I can relate to Nathan. Um, so Nathan is still, again, I think his music is like, he's still like playing with things and finding new things. So when I had seen him play... I, so I've seen him play only a handful of times in the past, like, five years. Um, he doesn't play that many shows anymore, um, even though I know he's still working on music all of the time, uh, just because of life. Um, and then sometimes the shows that he has played in recent years have been on, like, a Tuesday. And as mm-hmm. you know, this girl club. goes to bed. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, as you know, club going up club, on a Tuesday. Yeah. Roof beams going up on a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um I've seen him only a handful of times. Two of the times were at this um, Seven Locks Brewery uh, place that's fairly close to me. Mm-hmm. Um, once was when Elliot was like four months old and then once was when Elliot was um, like two years old. And it was funny because both times when I saw him, he was like, hey, uh, Anne's pregnant. Mm. <laughs> and I was like, oh. and the, But the second time I was like, huh, <laughs> because mm. that was going to be his third one. Um and he was like, "Yep." Uh, I was like, "I, I was like, I think the last time I saw you, Anne was pregnant." And he was like, "Yep." <laughs> <laughs> and um, he um, he played a million bands at one of these shows, and I was like, "Hey, cool country song." <laughs> yes, million bands is the name of uh, one of their more recent songs. Mm-hmm. Uh. And the chorus is, which it starts this way, which is, a million bands couldn't make it this far, be as, oh god, a million bands couldn't make it this far, be as fortunate as we are to play for nobody at this bar on a Monday night. <laughs> yes. I I might have gotten the impression that there was more folk than rock uh, in Roof Beams. By listening to this particular song, mm-hmm. may- maybe first it mm. might have come up. It might have come up first. Mm-hmm. It came up very early in the rotation. Yeah, yeah. This song is like very. It's not very different. None of their songs are that wildly different from one another. He doesn't have any like, you know, songs with like auto tune or something. But this song is like a country song, right? It's like yeah, it like the tone of it. The lyrics are very much like. You know, look at us playing songs well, in a bar, I mean, that's, and that's the that's the stereotype about country music, right? Is that 
it, that, that it, it, it's a very literal translation between the singer songwriter's life and the, and the song. Yes. They're just singing about, you know, this, I got a, I got a wife, I got a truck, I got a dog, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. uh, like, and I'm singing and I got a guitar and I'm, and, I, and this is my band and it's, yeah, it's, there's no persona uh you know <laughs> to uh that kind of songwriting exactly or at least there is the guys that there's no persona right yes yeah, um so the but the reason i love this song so much because i remember being so skeptical oh. of it when i heard, first heard it is because there's a turn about a little bit more than halfway through and i'm going to play that for you right now mm. true when you won't show me your face We could all get vulnerable Don't let them tell you you're gullible We could all get vulnerable Together, yeah We could all get vulnerable Don't let them tell you you're gullible We could all get vulnerable Together, yeah We could all get vulnerable So that turn of like, we could all get vulnerable together, like I'm here for you and you're here for me. And like, this is like a safe space, um, feels like antithetical to a lot of the country music that I have interacted with in my life. Mm -hmm. Sure. And it felt like, and I said this to Nathan, I said, it feels like you're taking this genre and you're setting up this expectation. And then at the end, you just turn it on its head um, and undercut it with this line that I can't imagine any male country star singing. Mm -hmm. And he was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you brought this up because this is ringing a bell for me. And I do remember sort of looking down at my phone and thinking like, is this the same song? Is this a different song or did this song that I thought was bad, like, get good? <laughs> yeah. And then it goes back to the chorus and I was like, oh, okay. Uh -huh. yeah. And I kind of sort of had that relationship. I, I don't have any other specific examples to call out, but I sort of had that relationship with more than one of their songs mm -hmm. where I saw I thought like, oh, I really like this part. Uh -huh. I wish it didn't have this other part. I was sort of like in and out of it a lot. Yeah, he does a lot of um, building. And I feel like this is a song where, like, he can't all have swells, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, I again, I was very skeptical of that first part. And I love it now partially because I know what it's building to. Mm -hmm. um, and the thing that it's building to is so great because of where it came from. Yeah. I want to get more, just a little more specific about what I just said. Okay. When I was saying preferring some parts to other parts, kind of being uh, pushed out by some parts and then back in, I'm mainly thinking of the lyrics. I'm, okay. I'm mostly talking about the lyrics. I, mm -hmm. I, I, there was no point where I went like, oh, the, oh, the music is like a, a turnoff for me. It's all, that's all good and fine and, and sometimes really good. There were just lyrical points where I was kind of like, oh, 
<laughs> it, it, it was kind of hit or miss. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and yeah, that song is a perfect example because the way it starts makes me go like, oh, not my type of song. And then it goes to a place where I was like, oh, actually, this is much more something I would listen to. Mm-hmm. So I do have now to tell you my yes. the song I don't like of theirs. Please, yes. So on Sharon, there is a song called Any City. Uh. And I listened to this song and I didn't like it. And I mean, me not liking the song is not like I'm going to skip it. I don't like it. But okay. I didn't love it, which is how I feel about, and I'm not speaking hyperbolically here, literally all of their other songs Mm. and i and i'm using they there very specifically because i started to have a little bit of an internal crisis about this because again it's been 15 years and i've never disliked one of their songs and suddenly i was like oh no i don't like this song and so we were at one of these shows at Seven Locks. It might have been the same one that I talked to him about Million Bands. I think it was. And he was like, yeah, um, my my new banjo player, um, Phil- Phillips, uh, he wrote Any City. Mm. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then like went home, immediately listened to that song to make sure that was the one that I didn't like. Right. And yeah. felt totally relieved. Yeah, this is really similar to something that came up in our brand new conversation, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like, remind mm-hmm. me the details, but like, there's a song on Daisy that's half the written songs by- on Daisy. So, so well, so Daisy is the lyrics are written by um, Jesse and Vin, and then some by both Jesse and Vin. And the songs that Vin are on, I don't like. And right. this is this is true even of. Um, of um devil and god um Mm. where the last song handcuffs was written by vin and that song is like not as good (laughs) i think that's the example that i'm thinking of actually Mm -hmm. specifically rather than daisy i think i was remembering what you said about handcuffs yeah um i will say though i mean if you want to talk about us being smug to bring it bring it around i felt so fucking smug hell yeah that i just had a a deep sense of mm-hmm. dread when I heard yeah. that song, and it was because Nathan didn't write it. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. You you know their sensibility, their style, their voice, their sound, uh, inside and out. And you you knew a traitor, or what's the <laughs> not traitor? What's uh what's the word for an interloper? A, yeah, yeah. That's not the specific word I was looking for, but it totally applies to. The, yes, the, you 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 spotted the mole in the uh, in the group there. Yeah, and so the last time I saw them, um, I well, okay, let me first say this too. There have also been like a lot of misheard lyrics from Rays of Roof Beams that I've sure. had. Um, that one song I played you earlier, um, like Children Astray. Everyone knows that um, pipists make excellent liars. I thought was typists. I thought so too. Okay, see. <laughs> I'm not so yeah. crazy. Uh, I also heard typists. Um, and I'm sure that there are other ones, but that's one that I always, um, I like better. Yeah. Um, because I like the idea of Nathan writing about a typist. And it's not mm-hmm. out of the realm of Nathan yeah. to be writing about a typist. It sounds to me like it makes just as much sense as what it, the line really is. Yes. <laughs> um, 
Pipers. So I... Everyone knows Pipers make excellent liars, not Pipists. Anyway, a couple more notes that I maybe should have started with. Uh, raise Up the Roof Beams. Do you know where that name comes from? No. Raise Up Roof Beams. It comes from the J.D. Salinger book, Raise High the Roof Beams Carpenters, Carpenters okay. um, which was a book Nathan loved. Um, and uh, then he just shortened it to Raise Up Roof Beams. And then, of course, nobody, everybody got lazy and just said Roof Beams. And so he just cut it down to that. Um, which, you know, is a good name for like a folk rock band, like Wood Structure. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do have a tattoo of one of Nathan's lyrics. Mm-hmm. It's from a song that um, is not on any of these albums. It's from a song. I mean, if you want to talk about deep cuts, it's from a, a lullaby that he posted on his pure volume page in the mid aughts. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called Stained Glass. I'll play some of it. This is a lullaby <clears throat> I sing to Elliot. This is a lullaby. Break me off. At the branch. Twist me off. Twist me off. On a well. Send me elsewhere, sweet. We're getting to the line that's on my arm. Don't you mind? Don't you mind? Where I've been I have no hope No hope, none but that Which you encompass You, you stay Stained glass, oh, and I, I am your So the line that I have on my arm, I switched the pronouns, but it's, uh, you are stained glass and I, I am your buttress. And on my arm, I have, I am stained glass and you, you are my buttress. Mm-hmm. And that's the white ink tattoo I have on my arm. Oh, right. Yes. Um, which I got about 10 years ago, uh, and I was told that it would fade in 5 to 10 years. And it hasn't. That's interesting. Uh, much like my love for the band. It, some of parts of it have, but it's still definitely there. I, the guy who did it, it also did my Susquehanna River tattoo that I just got. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dude, you did this 10 years ago. And he was like, wow, that like did not fade. Like, it, on hmm. some people, it would just be gone. Hmm. He was like, you have taken very good care of that tattoo. And I was like, oh, thank tattoo. you. Tattoo. 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 Audrey Tattoo. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's my my ep- my 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 episode. I love this band. They're my favorite band. Nathan doesn't mm-hmm. know that I'm recording this. <laughs> um, so he'll find out when we post it on Monday. Um, cool. Yeah. Uh Two things. The first, which is superficial, is I just want to restate. Um, you you brought up him playing the harmonica while he's oh, playing yeah. the guitar. I just want to ma- uh, return to that just to emphasize that the harmonica was like my main takeaway from the whole. Oh, really? Yeah, from the whole exercise of like listening to some of their songs, I was like, oh. 
they play a lot of harmonica. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that it's good or bad. I just thought, oh, that's interesting. Uh, and uh, it is uh, adds to that, you know, uh, folksy uh, element that I reacted to or sort of latched on to listening mm -hmm. to it. And uh, yeah, I do think uh, uh, I, I do think that I like it, um, the harmonica stuff. And then the second thing that I want to say is just a big, you know, big, broad overview of uh, to say good job. Thank you. Uh, yeah. No, I think that you made a beautiful case for uh, a band that is uh, beloved to you and has been for a long time. And has been a and, local band to me two times. And uh, I, I appreciate you uh, taking the time to share all of that with me. Thank you for and, listening to me. Yeah, of course. Yeah. You, you, you love to hear it. Yeah. And also I thought... You know, Will's doing an episode on music. Mm -hmm. I can do an episode on music. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, and there are no atheists in foxholes. <laughs> now, Will, this is this is our penultimate episode, isn't it? Yes. Mm -hmm. I'm on the edge of my seat. Uh, it's uh, that special time of year. When uh, the Golden Globes have happened and we are mere days away from yes. the nominees for the Oscars being announced. And so uh, that's that's uh, where this ship is uh, pulling into port. Mm -hmm. um, well, I'll see you next time so we can talk about the thing that you've been thinking about since the last time this thing happened. Uh-huh. For like, yeah, the past three years <laughs> or one year and if you apply it more specifically uh -huh. uh, uh, well, yeah <laughs> I was just going to say I'll see you next week yeah see you next week I can't wait bye, thanks Will. Liz love you love you bye Will is on Twitter and Letterboxd at youngest of one and his website is williamhoffacker.com you can find Liz at exclamate on Instagram at exclamate underscore on Twitter or on her website, elizabethdeannamorrislakes.com. Our website is smugbuds.com, and the podcast is at smugbuds on Twitter and Instagram. 